Spirit Radio Podcasts. Now, um, I'm delighted to have Pete the Vet, Pete Wedderburn, back in the studio. Um, Pete, you're very welcome back. How Thanks are you? Thanks very much. Good Thanks to be here. Making the trip to us. Uh, when last we spoke, he was just about to embark on his journey to India, New Delhi, with his local church group, and he had undertaken himself to see if he could put his own talents as a vet to some use in addressing the problem with rabies in the area that they were visiting. And in studio now, he's going to tell us more about the travels. Um, f- first of all, Pete, uh, to anyone who hasn't been, um, how would you describe India as as an experience as a country? Shocking shocking Um, there are just so many people there, that's probably the overriding impression you get, when you arrive there are just people everywhere, there's noise um, there's busyness all around you um, and you know, um, you just feel that Ireland is like an oasis of tranquility and Mm. isolation in comparison, so it's, it's really it's one of those places where you almost come back from it reeling with with um, like you've been in a boxing ring or something because of just all the people and all that sort of pressure all around you all the time. So massive culture shock. Massive culture shock. Yeah. Um, the roads especially are um, kind of stunning because there's a lot more traffic and mm. they have their own version of the rules of the road. Uh, <laughs> like you just press the horn all the time. Or if you, you just use the horn to tell people that you're there. Yeah. So everywhere you go, there's loud horns being pressed. And you, you go around roundabouts the wrong way sometimes oh, if it's quicker. Wow. Um, and um, and you on a, on a motorway, for example, you would just go between two cars if one of them wasn't moving over for you. Just shoot up the middle of them. Oh. There's the, I think there's this kind of belief that, you know, your destiny is... is Predestined, uh, and so, of course, yeah. And so it doesn't matter if you take a risk because if it's not your time to die, you're not going to die. It just shows you, yeah, exactly how these <laughs> things really do matter. Actually, they do Definitely. have, they have, you know, people say that these uh, these world religions actually they have massive impact on the way people live their lives. Can um, did you did you actually uh, take to the wheel or did you get no? To- <laughs> we, we whizzed around the place in, in tuk tuks and minibuses, yeah. so we experienced the roads, but we weren't in control, well, yeah, which was yeah. both terrifying well, yeah. and also quite quite reassuring, you know, because uh, obviously the driver's destiny hadn't quite got to that stage yet. I love that. Um, so first of all, can you just remind us about the project that you had in mind when, when you were going? Well, basically, we were going out with a group called ASHA. Um, ASHA is a, um, a community-based uh, development group um, in Delhi. Um, they started off in one slum 25 years ago, and they now work in um, 60 slums servicing half a million people which is wow. around 10% of the slum population of Delhi there's around 5 million people living in slums Wow! so what ASHA do is they, they've started off providing health care because there's no health care there, there's, or minimal anyway um, so they, in, in areas where ASHA work, all of the babies are vaccinated, all of the mothers get antenatal care, postnatal care, they basically have gone in there to help with the very basic health needs that people have. What Ash have gone on to do is to work with empowerment of women, basically helping um, re- recognizing that women form the background of many communities, sure. but that they but they weren't coming out and standing up for their rights. So what Asha has done is Asha has taught the women, for example, um, to to go to public meetings, to sit in chairs rather than sit in the ground, which is the traditional place to be and to look up and look at people in the eye, which they wouldn't do traditionally either. Wow, that's by, amazing. Yeah. And by doing that, Asha have, they basically have organised the slums into laneways, and each laneway has a woman volunteer who answers for 
all of the people who live along that laneway and they get together with regular meetings where they talk about you know what rights that the slum dwellers have under government legislation and so on and they help the people you know get the 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 um if you like the the rights that are due to them they help the people get for themselves those rights um so they 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 work with healthcare with um empowerment of local women and what they also done is they started to educate the slum children so they come to education every day they go to the government primary school but they then come on to asha um community centers afterwards and get extra education in the afternoons and they've now managed to put something like 600 children through university wow and Amazing. prior to this it would have been impossible for a slum child to dream of university, university yeah. and without education without third level education you're not going anywhere in where, Indian where society absolutely it's, so, it's a shocking thought that actually the entire population of this island of this island is equivalent to the slum population the slum population of one city yes and it's the, just mind blowing uh, and the, the people there they, they really suffer the slum that we visited um, was right beside a railway it was in no man's land beside the railway where obviously no housing could be because it's so dangerous but the slum dwellers came in from the countryside they had to go somewhere so they went beside the railway oh, yeah. so the, these ramshackle houses that are built no more than five metres away from a busy railway line. One of the most shocking stories... There's two shocking stories I need to tell you. First one is a woman we met who, when she was eight years old, she had both of her legs chopped off by a passing train. Oh, shit. Now, she survived, and she's now a woman in her 30s. Awful. She's very happy. She has four children, yeah. and, sh- and she works every day. She bakes little pastries, which she takes onto um, a, a wheelchair that is operated with her hands... And she goes off to local market and sells these things. She just gets by. So she's one astonishing story. Yeah. The other one is equally astonishing, which is about um, there was a, an express train was passing by this slum, and a lady on the express train gave birth to a baby, which turned out to be a baby girl. So what did she do? She flushed it down the train toilet. Aye. Now, the slum dwellers, um, in the morning when they do their ablutions, they found this newborn baby on the tracks. So they took the baby in, and they cared for her, and with the help of Asha, they reared her. She's now an eight-year-old lovely girl, wow. and she's doing absolutely fine. And so, you know, Man. these are some of the daily events in a slum which make you really come back to Ireland and think, so gosh, shocking. we have it so good in this country, and we just yeah. don't realise it. Now, what's interesting about the, the, you know, this, this particular uh, visit was you were, you were working with animals and their impact on the population because you were it was to do with rabies so can you explain that a little bit to me yes well um the church group that i, that I went out with we were made up of a, a variety of people there were some educationalists there was a doctor there was an electrician uh, there were people interested in a range of different aspects of life and um we were generally doing community work with the young children. We were redecorating a community centre, putting up colourful murals. We were helping the teenagers with computer work, and we were doing all sorts of things like this. But I wanted to find a particular angle that suited my my own God-given yeah. skills and Absolutely, training, yeah, and, sure. and that meant animals. So when I looked into it, I discovered that rabies was a completely unrecognised issue Um in the Asher slums. They've been so busy with the other major issues that I've mentioned that rabies doesn't seem so big. But it, it is a big issue in India. More people die of rabies in India than any other country in the world. My goodness. And um, is, it, is, it, is it through dogs? Is it's it through, through dogs. Or, yeah, dogs. Yes, it's through dogs. Yeah. Um, in India, there's quite a big street dog population. Okay. Uh, they don't keep dogs as pets That's like right. we do in the house. 
but there are dogs just wandering around, and people like them and feed them, mm-hmm. and the dogs perform a necessary function of, of rubbish control. Okay. Um, because you see them rummaging through the streets picking up rubbish. And um, in areas where people said, oh, street dogs cause rabies, get rid of street dogs, when they did that, what they found out was that there was a massive boom in the local rat population. Oh, okay. And then there was an epi- epidemic in the humans of bubonic plague. So Gosh. that was no good either. Right. So anyway, so street dogs are there, and they can... And they do carry rabies. And around 20,000 people die every year of rabies in India. To put that into context, that's like about 70 people dying every year in, Indi- in, in Ireland from Gosh. rabies. Or 1,000 wow. people dying in, in, in the UK. So that's the sort of Massive, level. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of people dying because it can be prevented. If it was just a fact of life, you might say, OK, well, that's a fact of life. But it's not a fact of life. It's a preventable disease. And how you prevent it precisely... Yeah, I was it, to ask. All you need to do to prevent it is to vaccinate 70% of the, of the dogs in an area against rabies. That's what you need to do. And is that an injection? It's an injection to each dog. Now, how do you go about doing that with street dogs? Like, they don't, they don't have any identification. How do you know you've done it? All but, that kind but, of stuff. But, but that's the interesting thing, because... It's when I went there. The first thing I did, I met with a woman who runs a group which vaccinates street dogs, and how she does it is very interesting. Because again, a bit like Asher engaging with the the local woman to become lane volunteers, what this education, what, what this rabies group does, is they engage with the local children in an area, and the local children. They all know the individual dogs. Oh, so These aren't just dogs. random dogs. Brilliant. Every dog is known to somebody and known has to a family. Name. Yeah, yeah. It has a name. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah, I met a dog called Julie, for example. Imagine that, <laughs> a dog yeah. called Julie in the Indian slums. But every dog has a name and has an identity. And the young people in the area know that. And so what, what this charity does is they educate the young people um, about rabies vaccination, about how dogs need to be vaccinated against rabies. They go on further, though. They also talk about animal welfare and about how dogs need to be looked after in general. And they also teach children about the importance of avoiding dog bites. Mm. Most rabies happens in children, and that's because children are more prone to being bitten by dogs sure. because children don't know how to avoid bites. I saw s- street children going up to street dogs and grabbing them tightly and hugging them and putting their face right beside the dog's head. Yeah. Now, I could see the dog wasn't liking that. Yes. And I, I knew that that child really ought to be was taught. Was in danger, actually. Yeah, yeah. Dog was in, child was in danger. You shouldn't, you shouldn't interact with dogs in that way. So this group, that's what they do. They educate young people about dogs, including rabies vaccination. And what, they, what needs to happen, and what, I, what I'm now trying to enable, is for, for, those, that, for that group to send their staff members into the Asher um, um, slums sp- sponsored slums yeah. um, to talk to the Asher children about rabies yeah. and put in place a vaccination programme. I'm fascinated by this whole thing because I'm thinking about these... I mean, the dogs, are they feral or are they kind of sort of tame because they're known and loved by the children? Uh, I'm just thinking about the actual yeah. mechanics of getting an injection into the neck or the whatever of a, of a, of a dog. Uh, is that going to... And does the dog then bite you because you've actually hurt it? What way does that work? Yeah, that's a good question. Most of the dogs are tame enough that somebody could call them to them and hold them still while you're given the injection. Okay. Most of them. But a lot of them wouldn't be that tame or perhaps the person who could catch them mightn't be around. Right. So in these vaccination campaigns, what they sometimes do is go around with big nets that they just throw over the dog and they catch the dog that way and inject it in a way that is safe so they don't get bitten themselves. Gosh. Um, 
But my job, though, in Asha, the first thing I did was to meet with this person who's running um, rabies eradication campaigns. But I then went into the Asha slums and I carried out a door-to-door survey. Um, I had an interpreter with me and I talked to um, a whole bunch of different people every day um, about their attitude to dogs and about their, their socioeconomic situation and all that sort of stuff. And it was fascinating. One of the things that astonished me about the slum dwellers who are living like four people in a room the size of a typical Irish kitchen, like four people crammed in there, and that's their living room, bedroom and kitchen. One of the astonishing things was that 90% of them have a television, and more than that, 95% of them have a mobile phone. 95%. So um, sometimes people's priorities are different to what you might expect looking in from the outside. Yeah, Um, extraordinary. And the other thing that's astonishing is they, they seemed from the outside to be very contented people. Sitting around in groups beside the railway, smiling, chatting, playing card games, enjoying life. Um, And when you talk about things like suicide over there, uh, they just don't understand. And it's it makes very you interesting, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. It makes you wonder really about about yeah. our own uh, communities and what's happened to them. Really, yeah, it's that is fascinating. Mm. You know, ha- I mean, as a trip, are, are you glad you made the trip? It sounds like it was it was kind of pretty impactful for you. It was very impactful because um, I, I just saw how most of the world live. Um, we are a small minority, and we're so sure. privileged. Yet we take that for granted. You know, we, we should be waking up every day saying. Thank you for yeah. letting me be in this Pro situation. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and we don't though. We wake up thinking, "Oh, another day." Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. That you are so right. It's extraordinary. You know what? It's been an absolute. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Pete. Um, just to let everybody know, you can learn more about this amazing project on Pete's website. That's www.petethevet.com. Uh, Pete Weatherburn, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your journey with us this thank morning. Thank you. Thank God you. Bless you. Me Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.